0: Hello and welcome to the 196th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode was brought to you by patrons St. Hope and Neil Awesome.
1: I'm Matt Enlow, And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we are talking about hustling for the holidays. What us freelance filmmakers do when things slow down, a.k.a. after Thanksgiving. And we are also going to talk about a topic that I had some questions about, not questions, but a topic that I wanted to discuss about when the appropriate time to call cut is and like how bad a shot needs to be in order for you to, to make the whole crew stop down and restart. Mm, a
0: meditation on maybe the most important yeah. thing we do. Cut, calling action and cut. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is actually, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. I don't want to, no spoilers, but you know, and we might get to a listener question. We'll see. Anyhow, let's dive into this.
0: December, it's like kind of hard to make money. I'm saying in December, you're either making money or you're already done. But that it's nigh impossible to make money commercially speaking, especially in February and March, are pretty darn yeah, hard.
1: I don't, I don't follow that logic,
0: but um, I'll take your word for it. I mean, dear listeners, but <laughs> we'll check in with Oren in February. As, our Valentine's Day special. You're like, Get out like, of that hey, <laughs> Come record a podcast <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah. But 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 I think that the point of our holiday hustle special episode is in talking about the ways in which you can plant seeds and generate um, things that are fulfilling, even if they're not me- necessarily financially helpful immediately. Stuff that basically this is your opportunity to play the long game because you've got the time. To look towards the future. And so, you know, for every time you're on a job and you're just working like crazy and like you don't have any time to work on your screenplay or, you know, figure out the rest of your life or see your friends or live your life in a meaningful way, we're here to remind you that this is a great time to Yeah. Do that, and if
1: you have like a lot of anxiety because you're not working right now, just feel better about yourself because a lot of people aren't working right now. I mean, I know a lot of people are working, especially on TV, but. But for those that, that aren't, like, it's hard. I think we talked on an episode about how anxiety is like the opposite of creativity. And so it's, sometimes it's hard to be creative during the holidays because you're kind of like had a few months of great work and now all of a sudden there's nothing. And instead of taking that time in writing, you are desperately trying to find anyone that will hire you. But I'm saying release yourself from that. Wait till next year and work on your script. 100%.
0: Yeah, so we, we've got a handful of different things that we're going to recommend and walk you through to make the holidays a little bit more enjoyable. The first one, this is kind of, you know, a little counterintuitive, I would say, but um, I think this is a good time to make money in other ways. Like this is an okay time if times are hard and, you know, you want to pick up some seasonal work, maybe some retail work, driving Lyft, driving Uber. Or just, you know, doubling down in terms of your day job, that's okay. I think that like especially when it's you know, you've got a lot of expenses with the holidays coming and you've got to take care of the yourself for the rest of the year, it's okay to like seize the opportunity to make a little extra cash. And so I know that we don't talk about that too much, but like survival jobs are a reality for people and like I think it's easy to glamorize all of the other work we do, but it's a hundred percent okay to need money and to make money at this time of year is a is a great idea. In the same way, you know, it's like you know, you're like a you're like a grizzly bear getting fat before you go into hibernation. Yeah, I I guess I've, I haven't really done that, but it
1: does sound like a good idea. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Orin, you know a couple pounds <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah no it it for sure it's interesting to think about because of course you should like if you need money you should get a job and do whatever you want need to do to, to do that but but it it is also this time especially in LA between Thanksgiving and New Year's where hopefully you have time to be creative and because so many other people have time off it's like a really amazing time to set up like your your own production, work on your passion projects, shoot your proof of concept, shoot your shorts, even just like get together with friends and talk about the stuff you want to make and try to get inspired.
0: Yeah, 100%. And and I think we'll get into those other ideas as well. I guess I'm just saying that like, we don't talk enough about survival jobs on this show. And I think it's because you and I are so lucky in that we haven't done that in a while, right? But like, you know, Like you'll pick up a a VFX job every once in a while and like there are plenty of directing gigs that aren't exactly our passion that we take. And I guess especially when the rest of the entertainment industry is slowing down, it's okay to, I mean, I just want to just remind people that it's okay to need money and it's okay to make money in other ways and that especially because there's a lot of seasonal work out there right now, picking up a side job, there's no shame in that. And so in the same way that you have to give yourself permission and not beat yourself up to on not working in the film industry, it's also okay to not beat yourself up over uh, finding another way to make ends meet when you're working in the film industry. Yeah, I often wish that I had a good backup plan, like a good survival job. I'm so, I mean, I think I've probably talked about it on the show. I'm so envious that you, like, you can pick up, like, some VFX work if, like, it's been really slow, you know? Yeah, yeah. Post stuff is fun. Yeah, it's fun and lucrative and not too far from your actual passion. Yeah, but it's like with anything, like, the longer I don't do
1: VFX things and post work, I kind of get unplugged from that community, so people don't really come to me as much for that stuff. But, um... But I am pitching on this commercial now that's pretty much like a VFX commercial and I'm pi- they commercial. asked me to pitch on it because of the VFX stuff. So it's like a commercial that we would do make like 70% in post, you know. But yeah, I guess like the other thing you can do, it's not on our list, but that's kind of related is like, it's like honing your other skills, like your non-filmmaking skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: What I'm saying is that, like a lot of times as we're kind of inundated in this film world and just like reading and talking and podcasting about like writing and shots and all this stuff, like we lose track of like mm-hmm. painting or music or kind of other things. and Refilling the well, I like to call it.
0: Yeah. 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 Go to a museum, hang out, go to the beach, think about life. Yeah.
1: Okay. Enough with the pointless recommendations we're making. Let's move on to something a little more
0: concrete. Oh, come on, or no, I, I I disagree quite strongly. I think that like you have to have things to write about and find points of inspiration. And I think if you're just consuming media, like if you're just regurgitating what you see on your phone and in movie theaters or you know, at home, like then you're not uh going to be engaged in what makes art important and meaningful and marketable all at once.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I'm just saying, I feel like everyone knows that already.
0: Yeah, but look, the I don't think that anyone's gonna be like, Oh, I had no idea I should make money. (laughs) This is like a friendly reminder episode. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh this is like write everything we're saying on your to do list. Okay, well so the next thing we have writing scripts. We talked about that, right? Write scripts.
0: Um you know, I think we talk about it every episode. But yeah, this is a good time to do that. Like, uh, your agent's not going to email you back until after Sundance. Orrin doesn't believe me; it's true, right? So, um, this is like a good time to like really put a polish on that because they're going to come back from Sundance and they're going to be like, "Oh man, Orin, you should have seen this year. I saw some incredible films. What do you got for me, baby?"
1: Oh yeah. Speaking of that, how much time should I like? How many days am I allowed to wallow about all the people I know that got into Sundance? This year,
0: Oh, I, I find it really exciting, actually. When um, people you know get into Sundance? Mm-hmm, yeah, because it's relatively new. It's only been like a handful of years. It's something where it's like, oh, it's kind of a version of the, your feeling about going to film festivals when you watch something, and you're like, oh, that's not that good. You're like, oh, no, like this person who is doing the same stuff that I'm doing and a year ago felt the same way I felt and just like did it is now at Sundance. That's incredible. How can that not make you feel so bad about yourself? Um, Because Sundance is this thing that my entire life felt so distant and alien and impossible. Like knowing that it's real and that you can go there and then your friends have movies there means that you can too. It's, I genuinely think it's incredible. So shout out to all of our friends who made it into Sundance and also shout out to all of our friends who whose films didn't get accepted because that is okay too. Yeah. This is a podcast for the people who got
1: rejected by Sundance. Come on. Um, I think we've had a good number of Sundance. Yes. Uh, we definitely films. have multiple past guests have films in Sundance in January. Uh,
0: especially shout out to Josh Rubin. Oh, yeah. So stoked. And we're having Josh on in a in a couple weeks so i can't wait to talk to him about it that's a perfect example like josh like directed like stuff for college humor like was doing commercials and then was like you know what i'm gonna go make a movie and get it on sundays i think he talked about it with us on the podcast he was inspired by other micro budget filmmakers and then made a movie and then it got into the best goddamn film festival in the world that's electric and you're not looking in the mirror and saying, Matt, why do not you just Josh Rubin this shit? I, I mean, of course, of course, but I don't need Josh's success to remind me about how much I hate myself. <laughs> like that's a <laughs> given. Oh, I like do. that. Ju- I just have to look in the mirror and know that, right? Um, and so it's the opposite. You're like, hey, Josh looks in his mirror and hates himself too, and he did it. So can I? And that is true hate for himself. you, Warren Kaplan. Uh, well, we'll talk about that. I guarantee he'll <laughs> tell you otherwise. Okay. Well, next. in an impression of Robin Williams. It'll be great.
1: Um, shoot something, right? hmm Yeah. Just shoot it. I'm going to try um, to record something. My script hey, podcast.
0: Your script by the end of the year? Yeah. Hopefully, like, next week. Let me tell you this. I think like that end of the year deadline is really powerful because um, I mean, there's something like elemental about it, right? Like you're the world is going to sleep and it's going to wake up in the new year and you want to have planted those seeds. Um, So I say, go for it. My wife, I realized the movie that we are fundraising for and are going to shoot in a matter of weeks at this point She wrote Um, it during Christmas break? She she finished it on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She's like, I I just got to have a reason to celebrate tonight. (laughs) Well, she did. She was like, I got to get out of here. I promised myself I was going to finish this script. I've got one night left. I'll see you in a couple hours.
1: That's so awesome. And she deep worked it listen you know i wish i had your wife's discipline sure me too it's a good time to shoot stuff because people are available and if anyone says how much uh money do you have to pay me just say you know it's everyone is in the giving spirit whatever you can give helps
0: you cut your hair and then they give you a comb that's how it works right the Uh, gift of the maggie is that a, a reference to some comic book? I don't know about. Uh, no, no, that is a classic Christmas story: the gift of the Magi. Oh, sorry, I'm a a cup. <laughs> fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, cool. What else? Rest
1: you wrote here on your list of things to do during the holidays.
0: Yeah. So our good friend uh, Rebecca Green had a great email uh, newsletter that I cannot recommend enough to everyone. Dear producer, um, uh, about giving yourself time to really recuperate, because I think we're all workaholics and we're all obsessed with our own success and futures and livelihoods. And so um, it's easy to get caught up in that grind and you're not gonna be as good, like the best artist that you can be if you don't give yourself a minute to rest. So like sleep in a little bit, like we said, refill the well, consume some art, enjoy your family, You know, connect with people, wax nostalgic in your hometown. If you get if you're going back to your childhood roots, you know, rest up.
1: Oh yeah, if you are going back home, shoot something there. That's yeah, the best place. Um, I just subscribed to the dear producer email list, dude. I'm not well done.
0: Now I'll know what you're talking about. Finally, yeah, she just sends you like a great little blurb and then a bunch of awesome links that you should have read. And even better, she gives you a synopsis of all of those links in case you don't have time to read all of them. Well, that's good,
1: because I feel like I haven't been distracted enough. I've been working too hard, been too efficient. I need more emails for, to more articles, because I only have 8,000 tabs open on my browser right now. Here's
0: the thing. These are, 10, the Here's, these are some of the best ones. These are some of the best ones. You could not be on Facebook and Twitter and just read her, um, her digestive articles and be good to go. Okay. Okay. Yeah, pretty great.
1: So, rest, you said. That's just hang out. Oh, yeah. That's what Rebecca Green said. Mm -hmm. We should just do nothing. Yeah. That is not my recommendation.
0: It's the number Uh, one recipe for getting nothing done. Listen, you can set a timeline for yourself. It's not like you should rest until Valentine's Day. Yeah. For me, it's like you
1: look at how much money you made this year compared to how much money you made last year. And uh, for every percent that you made more this year, you can take a day off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for every percent you made less than last year, you have to
0: work twice as hard for a day. Is that is that a strategy for actually making less money this year? <laughs> no, it's a, the next it's year, How you catch I, that up? Sounds like it. And equalizes your years. I see. I see. So you just plateau, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, next on the list is something I put, which is reconnect with old colleagues. I love this one. Um, And that's something so, you know, when things are slow, I do occasionally go to Facebook and Instagram and see what people are saying. And uh, last week, someone we know uh, posted something on Facebook. They were looking for a contact at Disney that knew a certain thing and did a certain thing and it happened to be something that I had just done. So I was like, hey, um, I know someone like this. And the person that we both know that I saw on Facebook, they own this big, successful uh, video company. And so they were like, oh, Oren, nice to hear from you. Let's grab lunch. I want to talk to you about some other things too. And uh, thanks for making the connection to this Disney person. And I made the connection to that Disney person and also said, you know, happy holidays and hope you're doing well. And she wrote back to me also and said, Oh, great to hear from you. We had a great time working with you. And like, I have this new project coming up in January. I'd love for you to like come and pitch on it. So literally responding to this one Facebook message now l- led to two different opportunities. You know, I mean, who
0: knows what will happen with them. but And I bet, frankly, two nice lunches. I've been doing a lot of that myself. But I think it's kind of in the air because things are slowing down. And so like people make the time to do it a little bit more. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It's like genuinely... It's good to be reminded that, like, the people that you connected with from, you know, a couple years ago or even six months ago, they're all working and grinding and trying to make it happen just like you. Yeah. Have you noticed that traffic is different now than it was, like, a month ago? <laughs> um, it, uh, it will consistently slow down. I mean, there are people who are already out of town, who've already gone yeah. back home. But also, so, you'll go to Target
1: at, like, you know, 1 p.m. on a Wednesday, and it's Packed, jam-packed full of people <laughs> sure. like what yeah. is going on it's the middle of the
0: day in the middle of the week but it's like yeah you know shopping <laughs> for people who don't live in los angeles it's a funny phenomenon that like it's very very rare that you meet someone who grew up here you know and so i, I would say maybe in entertainment you'll meet like maybe one in 25 as like a an la local and that includes like the valley and even the OC, I would say. Um, and so people leave. People, like, they, they go home for the holidays. They go back to all wherever they grew up. And so... Yeah, LA the, becomes this really quiet, kind of peaceful town in December, yeah. which you know is why we named our daughter Winter. I, I do, and I, I love that so much. Yeah, we actually, you know, we always throw a, a big annual Christmas party, and we put it later in the year so that um fewer people would come because it's (laughs) got it's got a little crowded but the other thing that's really magical about it is that the later the closer you put it to christmas the more likely that people who are in town will come even if they're not super duper close to us and then you become closer and you kind of have this like interesting experience where people who um you know, you, you you get to know them better, basically, because of uh the circumstances of everyone being in town on Christmas. Right. Yeah. Um that's the magic of Christmas, Oren. Yeah, I'll never know it. The
1: other thing, just on the same note of reconnecting with old colleagues, is like some other thing I, I did recently is I basically just made a web page on my website that has all my work from twenty nineteen. And I've been emailing it to producers I've worked with over the last year and I said, Hey, Hope you're doing well. Just want to send you kind of some of my recent work, including the work we did together. It would be great to work again on something in the future. And I'm finding because, because it's
0: December, these people are responding to me like right yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got more time. So wait, how many episodes of Just Shoot It are on the page then? Um uh fifty, fifty. <laughs> Perfect. Forty nine, fifty, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, well, no. I can't wait to hear what uh, producers like best.
1: But yeah, and then so let's talk for a second because I bet you have way more definitive opinions about this than I do. But like, what's the deal with gifts? Do you get people gifts right about right around now?
0: The best received uh, gift baskets I've ever sent to any company are always I'll do pressed juices. I'll do like a bunch of pressed juices. I also it's important to me that. Um, when I send gifts to a company that there's enough that you can share it with the office. Because if you just send like, you know, an executive, like a nice bottle of scotch or something like that, you know, having been lower on the totem pole, oftentimes they're just like, uh, you know, I'm not going to drink this garbage. Right. It's it's black label. And then like they hand it out to the assistants or whatever. And then there's like a little bit of like competition between people. I just want, Everyone in the office to be like, "Oh boy, who gave us these juices?" Oh, Matt Schmelo, don't know him, and then enjoy their, you
1: know. I prefer seeing a bunch of uh, drunk assistants walking around. Um, (laughs) What so? Other than me, who are you sending gifts to? Hmm.
0: Um, I oftentimes I'll send send one to my agent, but I like to do it actually after they're back from the break okay um because it's a little easier to be memorable then um i will send cookies to offices i usually send them to college humor it's been kind of a while since i've been over there so like not enough people would recognize my name anymore <laughs> for it to make sense um not that i don't think they're great but you know uh yeah i don't know i, I it's um because it can get expensive too you know like a cookie basket, like cookies and milk, which I think is a really fun one, or a bunch of uh, cold pressed juices—that's going to be at least fifty bucks plus a delivery fee. Yeah. So you know, it adds up fast. But I um, guess I don't.
1: The maybe kind of the unifying theme of everything we're talking about here is that it—the holidays are just like a great excuse to reconnect with people. You know, someone you worked 100%. with in the past, someone you almost worked with, someone you met at a party, and they said. Oh, we should talk at some point and then you never talk to them. Like, it's the holidays. It's like a good time to say, Hey, just wanted to say happy holidays, check in with you, you know, give you a, a summary of my year or whatever. And it's, um, I mean, obviously be genuine and not pandering and not
0: weird, but, yeah. uh, but it's, it's a good time for that. The, another thing. A hundred. I, I would say I've been on a streak of like seeing a lot of people for coffee and mm-hmm. it's really, um, you seem made really better. Yeah, I'm like so jacked up. But no, genuinely, like it's been really nice to like see people and um, connect with them and it's been fun. Cool. Glad one of us is having fun. Um, you should go to more coffees. I will say uh, there was an old sketch group of filmmakers that now are still still working plenty um, called Team Tiger Awesome and they sent oh, yeah. uh, Adam Films, Adam.com, the old company that I worked at, uh, a gift basket and i remember they sent um a bunch of condoms with uh their business card safety pinned through the center of it oh that's funny and it was so oh boy it was so funny yeah it really made me i Damn. mean that's like a 10 year old joke it's so funny yeah um well let me ask you this the
1: question that i is always on my mind do you think not sending a gift like, you don't send your manager or your lawyer or, like, a producer or a company work with a gift. Do you think that is a negative thing? Like, is sending the gift just kind of saying, like, hey, I appreciate our relationship and I want, I'm want i showing it to you by sending you a gift and wishing you happy holidays? Or is it a mandatory thing in Hollywood to send gifts? I think that
0: um, places like, uh, like uh, law offices and agencies, they get sent so much stuff that I think it's pretty easy to not be noticed. you know. Like there's just, the conference room is just filled with gift baskets. And so like there's so many people sending so many different things that they kind of just are like, you know, every agent is like, oh my God, I'm getting fat. I gotta put this gift basket in the conference room and let the, you know, interns we barely pay, you know, get to eat the shortbread cookies that some, that Enloe delivered or whatever so like i think that you, they're, they don't hold it against you but if like you're thoughtful and smart and like send something good you know who doesn't like receiving a gift that is nice you know yeah uh, that's why that's why i like to do it uh in the new year actually it's because you get to stand out a little bit more and mm-hmm. um you know you get to think through like oh what what worked really well like what did my friend get that they were talking about you know i think flowers are really nice potted plants are really nice things that last you know i think people genuinely like uh hollywood is in surprise surprise an image conscious town so like if people know that they're going to be eating and drinking more than normal like they kind of don't want a bunch of sweets right well this year i mostly so i already sent all my gifts out to everyone and i basically so just sent
1: them uh, just shoot it podcast hats.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And like a uh, heavy creamer, just to like with sugar to drink. Right. <laughs> Yum.
1: Along with a hat.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe some butter. I'm just saying, like liquid fat is what I'm getting at here, Orrin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I
1: was like, didn't you hear what I just said? Um. Uh. Anyway, okay. Let's move on to our final thing that you put on this list. So important, yeah. you put an exclama- exclamation mark at the end of
0: it's it. It's my favorite thing to do: watch movies. Yeah, so yeah, you as, don't
1: think people should watch TV at this time of year?
0: I think you can certainly, if you want to watch some TV, you can. But I think that the um, wonderful thing about this time of year is that there are finally good movies to go see in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Frankly, like I've been doing the pretty well. Awards season. Awards season. Yeah, exactly. And and also finally this year, more than any year in, in previous memory. There are finally tons of great movies to see. Like there's a there's so much worth seeing that's that's worth your time and is memorable and important and interesting, and that people are going to be talking about and referencing for the next year, if not ten. You know, that like it's time to catch up on the farewell if you didn't catch it, or like The Irishman, or Parasite. If you haven't seen if you haven't seen Parasite, you're gonna look like an asshole in a meeting in the next six months. Yeah. Cause some, some young executive is gonna be like, Oh man, I love that so much. It kinda of reminds me of that moment in Parasite when you realize, oh my god, this happened, blah, 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 blah. And then and you'll, you'll just have to kind look of look like a sphincter. You'll just have to like your eyes will glaze over and you'll be like, Yeah. Yeah, sort of like that. Or like um this other movie that I have seen.
1: Yeah. I saw an excellent movie last night. Oh, what'd you see? Nineteen seventeen. Oh, Sam Mendes. Yeah. Wait, did you see an advanced
0: screening? It's not released yet. No. Screener. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I will look. So that's the other thing is that these movies are floating around Hollywood. So like if you have a friend who's in Screen Actors Guild, PGA, they get all the best screeners. Uh, You'll be shocked. DGA? What? By how
1: amazing the selection is in the Costume Designers Guild.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's might or might not be where, where I got sure, sure, The sure. screener from, um, um, and I have some really good ones in the queue.
0: Are you disappointed that you didn't see that in the see theater? It, see it on the big screen? Yeah,
1: no, because I really enjoyed it. I mean, I watched it in my living room. It's it. I think you people would love it in the on the big screen. And what I my favorite part about it is, I think it's a movie you could watch with like your grandpa and your nephew and your yeah. niece, and your sister, you know, and um, they everyone would love it. It's, uh, I just, it's just really simple, I, uh, and so I, of course, I mean, you can't, if you're a filmmaker, you cannot watch that movie without immediately watching the behind-the-scenes featurette, because I don't know if our listeners know about this movie, but it's from Sam Mendes, the same guy that did American Beauty, and Revolutionary Road, and all these amazing films, um, but it's a World War I film, and it's all done in one continuous shot it's like a you know two uh, an hour and a half movie or something yeah um and it just follows these two characters through world war one and uh i in the behind the scenes featurette sam mendes was talking about how he just was trying to find his next movie and he would get scripts and he would read books and he just couldn't find his next movie and it's just i like hearing that because it makes me feel good about Myself, because I'm always like trying to figure out what my next project, is, you know, big project is, and to see someone that's like, you know, one of the top uh directors, sure. actors in the world, not being able to find a pro a project he can get excited about, um, is refreshing. And so, I guess his like producing partner was like, hey, why don't you just write a movie? And he's like, I- I'm not a writer, I'm a director, I don't write. And she's like, "You don't have anything to read about." It? It's like, "Well, my grandpa used to tell us stories about World War One. I, I guess it can be kind of interesting." And he just found—you can tell it's like a director's movie because the premise that he came up with is it's like fiction takes place during mm-hmm. World War One, but it's really simple. Um, but it's done in just this really cool way, and it's emotional, and it's the choreo—the uh, the, the cinematography and the choreography. But uh, for sure, Roger Deakins. I think will win the Oscar for this or at least be close to winning it. Um, and the whole movie is like barely lit at all because they're just running around, it's shooting running around. insanely yeah. long takes. So anyway, 1917, but yeah, so many good movies. I can't wait to see Jojo Rabbit is on my list. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna watch Ford versus Ferrari, which is another movie I think that like an entire family w- would enjoy together.
0: Yeah, I, I saw that at one actually. and it- I think in a, a weaker year, I think people will be talking about it more. It's definitely worth, worth watching. There's a few scenes that are genuinely great. And I think the performances are really interesting. But yeah, like, like having these conversations is, you know, so fun. So why not go see some movies? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well,
1: cool. So hopefully you're set for the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe let's move on to our next topic. Uh, when to call cut? And so I'll tell you why
0: before yeah. we do that. But oh, yeah. before we move into our next, t- yeah. So I think that's great. Um, I think we've we've solved everyone's uh listless holiday anxiety, and they get to enjoy their family and their friends and their art a little bit more. And let's move on to our next. Before topic.
1: we get into our next topic, I just wanted to remind people that we have a Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash Just Shoot Pod. It's actually been really popular. We need to, we need to engage
0: with our patrons more. I feel like because they're yeah. so awesome. And yeah, we I, we've been really fortunate uh, with a, a growing community of people who are supporting the show, and we do want to figure out a good way to get back. Maybe um, I feel like we get hit up for notes on reels and short films all the time. Maybe that's a thing worth doing. Yeah, if you're a patron, you want some notes or feedback or anything. Uh,
1: then let us know. You can even, even if you want, you can email us your script or your short and then email us separately and tell us, Hey, we don't really care what your opinion is, but we want you to say it's really good so we can show it to somebody else that said it's not good. And we want to tell them like, Hey, these podcast hosts think it's good. So it must be good to do that. Yeah. We will lie, whatever you want um,
0: for $1 a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing super long or just, we won't have time to get to it, but, uh, but shorts, Short scripts, reels, that's a perfect, uh, yeah. perfect runtime for our attention spans. And,
1: and if you have sent us some and we haven't responded to you yet, we apologize, but we will. Uh, but I will. do want to remind people, if you pledge $10 a month, even if it's just for one month, we will mail you a hat. But I feel like I must say this because I've run into quite a lot of gymnastics issues and customs things at the post office. Uh, we will mail you the hat. At our expense, if you live in the United States, uh, if you live in a different country, we might need to figure out the postage a little bit with you first, just because I have routinely spent <laughs> like $30 mailing <laughs> a, a $10 hat and $5 worth of packaging for someone who uh, has pledged $10 and then their credit card doesn't go through. So the net <laughs> net
0: profit of negative $40. Listen, um, Orin, if you thought podcasting was a money-making prospect yeah Uh, you're a real chump okay
1: anyway patreon.com slash just shoot a pod we really appreciate it uh check it out and back to our show so this next thing i wanted to talk to you about matt is when to call cut as a director you know we teased this at the beginning of the episode a lot of people think of our jobs as saying action and cut and I think one of the things that people learn early on in their directing career is that they shouldn't say cut too fast uh, at mm-hmm. the end of a take because you you always want tails. There's no harm in having extra stuff at the end of your take, but there is harm in not having enough of a tail end to your take. So saying cut late, I think is something that, that most people do. Uh, but what I wanted to talk to you specifically is based on an experience I had last week where I was filming a bunch of stuff and I was filming with kind of, I guess what you would call celebrities or high profile people. Um, And we had them for a very limited amount of time and they were film professionals. So they really knew what was going on. And there -hmm. were a couple shots that we were getting that I felt like were not great in terms of um, like the lighting, but I felt like we had been filming for a few minutes before I really appreciated how much I didn't like the lighting that, that I felt like it was too late to call cut. So Mm -hmm. I, I know even when I'm just doing a short film or when I'm doing like an action scene or when I'm doing a comedy scene, uh, sometimes someone messes something up in the beginning of the take, but then the rest of the take is going well. And I'm like, Oh, let's just let it play out. Uh, so I guess I'm curious, like, do you have kind of a strategy of when you call cut? Like, like if a take is like 80% good, do you just let it keep going? Or are you one yeah, of those I people mean, I, that that calls cut, like, if somebody messes something up right in the beginning, you're like, hey, let's just take that from the top.
0: I think there's two different things you're talking about. I think there's the, the situation where people are improvising or answering a question. And so it's hard to repeat things, right? And and that especially is tricky when it's like high-profile talent um, and they're just used to being the boss effectively, that's separate from a, a situation where you know exactly what you need to get. So starting with the second half first, if it's something where I know that the problem is going to ruin the rest of the take, I call cut as soon as I possibly can. So like the uh, the best example is like, someone's collar is flipped up weird, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like you're worried that like ah oh, this actor is really like putting their heart and soul into things and they're getting going and they're they're building momentum and you're like, uh should I let them keep going or whatever? If they yeah, what if you're eighty percent
1: up, into the take and then you notice their collar is
0: flipped up weird? Do you let them go all the way to the end or do you just cut it? At eighty percent. How long is the take o- overall is it uh, eighty is it eighty percent of a ten minute take? No, it's eighty percent of like
1: a thirty second take, and this take has a dolly move that starts at the beginning and is pushing in the entire time
0: and maybe you didn't notice it at first a- eighty really is a really hard time I would say sixty seventy percent and before I call because 'cause you're wasting everyone's time and like you know you're wasting their energy too, and like they're professionals, they'll get back into it. I think you just say, hey cut, I'm so sorry. Uh, Let's fix your collar real quick. Maybe I'll just do it real fast, you were doing so great. I'd reassure them and I'd say, okay, going again right away, let's do it, action. Right. Like just get back into it as fast as you can. When it's something
1: where like. I guess the reason I brought um, up the dolly is because I think resetting is not so fast. Resetting is like a two minute Mm -hmm. thing. And also, a lot of times, you know, the first take where we're rolling, even though things are being messed up, I kind of want to do it all the way to the end so I can catch any other things that might mess up. Fair the, enough. If, if it's the, if it's the first
0: take, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like getting through a take, you know, oftentimes I'll roll on rehearsal and I'll say, Hey, let's make a mistake. And that means that like, you know, sometimes there'll be those great little beats or moments here or there. You'll figure things out. Um, but, if we're, if we're a couple takes deep and I realize there's something that makes the take unusable, I'll I'll cut sooner than later. Yeah. Right. I guess something and, yeah. that happens a lot, it probably
1: happens to you a lot too, but I do a lot of like visual comedy stuff where it's like, hey, you're going to pop this balloon. All this confetti is going to fly all over the place. And then this other person is going to walk into frame and, you know, into an over the shoulder shot and say this line. Okay. So they pop the balloon you know, and maybe we're dolling, like around you or something. Um, they pop the balloon, the dolly's moving, the person comes in and they just miss their mark by a tiny bit and so they're now kind of half covering the person that popped the balloon. But I know resetting this take is gonna take us like 20 minutes, we gotta vacuum it all up, we gotta put the confetti back in And So I, I don't think I'm right in this. I think I'm actually wrong, but I have a tendency to let things keep running and because I... Like editing a lot, and I'm always like, "Well, we can use the head of this shot, and then the tail, and then maybe I'll just like literally off camera, like kind of grab like an actor's shirt and like just tug them over to the right a little bit, you know? Like I'll try to well, that's different them. though, right?
0: Like you're fixing things so that there are pieces of it that you can use. And what I'm saying is that sometimes you're in a situation where like the balloon pops, but um, the but confetti didn't just, land in where you ex- wanted it to land. Yeah, yeah, or or the balloon is is still whole and is just slowly leaking. <laughs> right. The, the shot's ruined, right? So call cut and fix it. Or, right. And, you know, the hard thing also is that like sometimes an actor won't be aware of what's causing the problem. Like they're, they're stacking and and they, they're blocking the person. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you keep doing it and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Keep, take a step back, take a step back. But still mentally, they know that they've like done full takes a couple times. So it feels like they've done it already. Right. Even though none of those shots are actually usable is another thing that you're sort of battling.
1: Yeah. Have you ever been at the monitor and you're doing like kind of a longer take? It's like a comedy scene and there's like two pages of dialogue and people are talking to each other and moving around and some blocking and the camera's moving and your script supervisor or someone, some producer, or some PA that just walked in um, to the room is pointing at the monitor like very violently at something and you're like what you're trying to pay attention to the scene you're like what are you pointing at? like what are you pointing yeah, at what's wrong with you what and they're are you like doing? there's yeah, a yeah. reflection in the glasses you can see the light and you're like I- i've up. been in that situation yeah. so many times and it's like okay there is a reflection i obviously didn't notice it because you're pointing it out to me now i'm not paying attention to the actors now i feel like i need to do another take and acknowledge even though maybe it doesn't even matter that there's this reflection there, you know, like, um,
0: glasses, and those are the situations reflections in glasses is such a perfect example. Cause it's like, yeah, there are refle- head, like, reflections there are people- in real
1: life. And sometimes you're like, yeah, yeah, what's being reflected is literally the light, the chandelier that we see in the scene. It's okay. Like, right. But right. like, I feel like sometimes people are just like, they're looking for those things and, and yeah. I don't know, but I it's frustrating because really great- I don't know if
0: you need to cut or not. Yeah, that's a really great example because I I have a a problem in that I am only I'm I'm looking at the the emotion and the performance and everything else falls away and so I'm the kind of guy who's like calling cut and I'm like we did it that was great (laughs) yeah moving on and And then then they're like and "Um, then your script supervisor's like um there was a giant piece of spinach in her teeth the whole time you can't use that. Yeah. And I didn't see it. And I'm like we or moving like, yeah. post. <laughs> yeah, but I I I uh so I would typically I would just go again real fast. Um but also for better or for worse, I'm really good at like making sure that people feel included and I want to hear the note from the PA and and you know, it's a it's a team effort and all of that and if someone is like up in my business and they're not they don't have the authority to be I can't help but sometimes I'll throw like some real withering looks and so like if a PA was like pointing at the monitor like oh there's a reflection there's a reflection the reflection my stink face like my, my like backup face or like silent like single finger batting them away Right. Is um is enough. Unfortunately brutal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Right. And I guess to me it's like if it's a reflection, something like that that is not something I'm noticing, just wait till the end of the take to tell me about it. Hey, by the way, there mm-hmm. was a reflection here. I don't know if you care about it or not. Um, like don't act like you are giving me the reason to say cut, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm
0: not looking for a reason to say cut. Um, L- let's talk actually about, I think, the the previous example, because I think we both have had um, experiences where you're you're dealing with high-end talent that right. you have to treat with kid gloves. Well, you
1: have a and- shoot tomorrow with someone that's very famous, so famous, in fact, that there's certain ways that this person's reps want you to address them. Uh, what if you're doing a take and you're 20 seconds in and... And you want to adjust something like is your person tomorrow, your talent tomorrow, someone that you feel comfortable like saying like, hey, let's uh, let's pause that in a, for a second. Just in the middle of a take. Like, can you take two steps to your left? Sorry that
0: there's a, a, like a weird light in your face. I think I would probably let this performer finish up and I'd be like, hey, that's so great. I think we got it this way. Let me just tweak something real quick. Do me a favor and take a step to your left. Um, but that being said, I get two hours with this performer. So, like, time is money. You know, like, I it for every single take that I do that's not perfect usable. or that I don't stop short, it yeah, for every take that's not usable um, is one less take in a pretty tight window. Um, so, you know, I think, look, everybody's a professional, and it, I think you have to, like, read their perspective their persona you have to do a lot of prep you have to like give them teach them why they should trust you let me and, ask you this
1: are you gonna have yeah. a stand-in tomorrow
0: no let's so tomorrow when
1: you're working with this high-profile person i think it's probably worth mentioning that this person is very famous but they are not like an act known to be an actor they not are not famous medi- in, media trained in quite the same way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they've been on camera b- a bazillion times but not uh as a Actor, and uh, are you going to say, like, hey, do you mind standing here for a few minutes while we tweak the lights and get everything in position? And then are you going to rehearse it or are you just gonna, um, kind of roll with it? Roll with it, yeah. I think, uh, oh, I. Yeah, you, you the, filmed with President
0: Barack Obama, which is probably a, that type of person, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about a person like Barack Obama, I guess. Ex- yeah, yeah, well, they still referred to him as mr president yeah uh anyway the thing about him is that i didn't need to say a thing you know like i set everything up for him i was like this is camera a this is camera b teleprompter whatever i'd worked all of the the teleprompter cues with the person that it's done and you didn't have a stand speeches with him no 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 he sat down we adjusted lights for two minutes tops he nailed it in basically one take Uh, shook everyone's hand, made a few jokes, and then we all went and took a photo together.
1: Right. Yeah, because my issue with my person last week was that they, first of all, were wearing something that did not look good on camera. It was they were wearing their own personal clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we didn't really have much control over that. And second of all, while they sat down and I was talking to them and telling them what we were going to do and preparing them for everything, they were looking at me and I was standing kind of, to the right of the camera mm-hmm.
0: uh mm-hmm.
1: next to the light, and they looked really great, looking straight into the light and right. I left, went to the video village, and was like, hey let's shoot this, let's roll and it was um you know a, a long conversation it was like we rolled for like
0: thirty minutes, so uh they, and this is this is q and a style, right, so they don't have lines, it's not yeah. like, hey, can we go ahead and take that one again? It's right. a lot harder, yeah, y- yeah, it's not like a teleprompter,
1: they're saying it's kind of like interviewing them in a way uh. So then when I was at the monitor, I noticed, hey, when they were looking at me, they looked great. But now that they are not looking where I was standing, they're looking in a totally different direction. The lighting is just not looking very good. And I was talking to the gaffer there, like, does this, the gaffer was trying to convince me that because we're shooting in a log, like, and this looks really dark, we'll be able to brighten it. But, you know, I, I understand enough about that stuff where I know, I know we could do it, but I. I didn't I couldn't figure out if it was bad enough for us to stop filming and lose all the stuff that we had shot up until then.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, and I look, we've talked about this a little bit. I think it's a really hard thing for you or in Kaplan because I know that your standards and your ability to articulate those standards and also your experience in how you lo- one loses control of the image chain in post all dictates the fact that things weren't up to exactly what you wanted. But also I don't think that your ever average producer or executive would be able to articulate why your footage didn't feel A plus the way you knew you could make it. Right, and I also knew that
1: is a it was a very simple solution. Pretty much like we right. needed more fill light on this actor. Um, one side of their face was very dark when they looked in a certain direction, which they right. were looking right. at a lot. Uh, but I didn't want to say like, "Hey, famous actor person, that's we're so yeah. that was hey, Mr. A on the fence with even giving yeah, yeah. us their time." Uh, everything you just did, we're going to throw away all this deep <laughs> stuff you just said. Because right. I feel like one side of your face needs to be a little bit brighter. And I also, by the way, don't want to call out the fact that I think what
0: we filmed makes you not look good, you know? <laughs> right, right. I think in that case, and I think you did this, you just shut up yeah. and live with it. and, and Well, I, I kind of made area. up a
1: sound-related excuse to take a pause, and I had the gaffer adjust a couple things during that time. But it was like, it made it 10% better, and I needed it 100% better, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that no one will be like, oh, Oren did a bad job on this. They might blame the DP a little bit actually. Um, But I think most of the time people just won't. They'll be like, oh, that person's not as funny as I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, oh, that person's older than I realized. Right. Yeah. Um, So if, if that person looks at the footage, they'll be like, well, they need to fix that. The problem is, is that like, you know, that they know they've been on, tv or in enough movies that like moving lights around means a they're trying to fix some like make me look better Mm -hmm. so i must have looked bad and b none of that stuff is usable so you just have to kind of swallow it right like once you're up and rolling you just you know yeah live with it so the the learning lesson here is uh
1: you know we didn't have like official stand-ins but we were standing in but i was i was standing in for our actors a lot of times i was like you know, making sure I just wanted to be in the middle of the set. And I was like, Oh, it'll right. be helpful if I'm here, but and by me standing in, I'm not like looking at the monitor.
0: Yeah. It feels like, Oh, I'm the perfect stand. And I'm the only one not moving a light around right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but
1: to me, there's some general rules when you're interviewing or filming or working with doing commercials with celebrities or people, especially if they've been around for a long time, which is another way of saying they're a little on the older side, like, you cannot, your lighting, it cannot be too soft. Like go as soft as you possibly can. Always have lighting equipment that is ready to fill in the shadow side because, you know, maybe you could put like Clive Owen, you know, with one light on one side and he looks so chiseled and handsome and amazing and every wrinkle makes him, just adds to his gravitas. But you put Meryl Streep in that same lighting and all of a sudden she looks 10 years older, you
0: know. Also, um, the Clive Owen that you're thinking about Is from Children of Men and that came out in 2007. (laughs) Do you know what I mean though? Genuinely. Well, so we
1: had the same issue with like male and female actors, especially if you're filming real people that aren't like these incredibly photogenic actors. Like always just have a bounce on standby, have an extra light, have something like above the camera that you can turn on, eye
0: lights. Um, And then my other thing. Then oh, hold on I want to pump the brakes actually because I think it's easy to not hear what you were saying though it's not just light these people this way it's like have it on standby ready to go because if a A-lister sits down and you realize oh I need some fill you can't go get a light from the truck right yeah if it's you have got, Beyonce you sitting have
1: to, there and you have her for 10 minutes you're not going to be like yeah
0: you, setting you up turn a on C-stand you turn the light on and, right. and you dial it in on that dimmer and the sound guy's mad at you for using a dimmer and that's fine.
1: Yeah. Oh, can I tell you some other funny thing? I never told you about this. So, we're we're shooting like one of our first people that is not quite as famous as the as the later people, and we're looking up into the rafters of the soundstage, and we notice there's like a plank above our actor's head with a bucket on it, and we're like, "What is going on?" Like the gaffer actually pointed it. It's like that looks like a vaudevillian like prank. What's yeah, going to yeah, happen? Yeah. Someone like steps somewhere and like this bucket falls on the actor's head. It's like, Oh my goodness, that's crazy. So yeah. When that actor is done. Yeah. Acting as revenge. The gaffer goes up into the rafters and he takes the bucket away. Then of course, an hour later starts raining. We have our next actor no. there. Oh, um, a, uh, uh, who's more famous and more known. And you, you know, um, and, all of a sudden, he's like, whoa, oh, did you see that? We're like, no, I didn't see anything. It's like, oh, I, I thought some a water drop fell on me. Anyway, the entire interview, <laughs> water drop. And the actor after him, and we're like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. He's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just going to, like, if I make a weird face, that's why I'm doing it. Because <laughs> it's just a water, a bead of water hit me. And I was like, well, the next actor is, um, is a very, <laughs> I'm just going to say, it, it's John Malkovich is the person after you. <laughs> And I was like, Do you think John Malkovich is gonna mind if this water drops on him? And he's like, uh, I would fix this before yeah, John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, so then we built like a little grip thing that would just in case the water fell down, it would, you mm-hmm. know, hit this thing instead of John yeah, yeah, Malkovich, a little, but uh, a little water slide.
0: But um Oh man, that's so but
1: funny. All those things when you are, you know, and it's not just when you have famous people. Sometimes you're working with kids. It's the same thing. You're working with, mm-hmm. with animals. You're working mm-hmm. with babies. You're working with, uh, you have to shoot the scene, but the train is, you're waiting for the train to come past in the background. Basically anyone an whose
0: time is precious. Yeah. Right. Um, so like whether that's their attention span or their availability or their um, good graces, you know, you have to just be dialed in and ready for them. Yeah. So anyway, I know it's
1: kind of we've drifted off from the when to call cut uh, conversation, but uh, I guess it it kind of is still related in the fact that as directors, we don't want to call cut for a technical reason, Mm -hmm. because we know that every time you call cut, it's going to take like five minutes to reset the shot and, and you're wasting time. And people are every time you do another take, people are counting it against
0: you, the director. I think there's also another time that's interesting that maybe I have a little bit more recent experience with than you, and that's in the soft scripted space Mm -hmm. where you have talent that's not media trained and they're in the middle of an emotional moment of a of a catharsis. Right. Right. Maybe there's a surprise involved. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly early on in, in a big job, I um I'd had a lot of fights with a producer about um, needing more gear, and they were like, "No, we're keeping a low profile. We don't have the money." Blah blah blah. And we had waited for the light to get especially good, and we were going to do a surprise. The whole episode was like leading up to this moment where uh, this woman was um is getting proposed to, going to meet her her her, her long lost family for the first oh, time. Oh, okay, different. She here. didn't yeah. know. She, she didn't know that she had a brother and a sister and a, a nephew and all these people. And she just kind of found out about them and they didn't have enough money to, to meet. And I've got them behind a curtain, right? They're not media trained either. They're so excited. They've just come to Los Angeles for the first time. I've got like a PA on a walkie. And I realize that the sun is just slowly creeping up my main subject And basically, from her neck down, she's in shadow, and from her neck up, she's in full Full gold, golden sunlight. And everyone's like, like I'm just hoping that no one makes a peep. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they're effectively in the same room. There's a curtain behind them, right? And my host is doing such a good job of just like keeping her engaged that she's only paying attention to her. Mm -hmm. And um, I almost got fired for that shot. Like they still bring it up to me every time I work with them. Oh, Just because like, you didn't cut. I didn't cut. Yeah, I didn't cut. I made the decision to keep the emotion going, and it's a beautiful moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I got I got in a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, it's
1: hard. I I totally relate. I did I did a thing. I'm pretty sure for the same producers, and I also was in a situation that was getting hairy, and I didn't want to yell because it was real people talking to each other and i was just kind of waiting to see if it would work itself out and so i never stopped it i never went as a director and inserted myself because i thought this we were we were experiencing the story on camera and i regretted not doing not stepping in and kind of re re changing the situation but um but yeah no that
0: that actually i have a i have a similar i have the reverse story that i'll tell real quick so, uh, l- earlier this year, actually, so it's January, things are nice and slow for everyone, and m- my DP brings in um, his favorite team, like his A-list team. He was like, I can't believe they said yes, but um, they were free, and like they liked me, and so here we are. And uh, we were shooting sunrise for sunset, so the sun is going up, and okay. slowly... We're losing all, we're, we're gaining light basically. Right. And we realized we're, we're just, we're on a close up and, and like we have like a flag telescoped all the way up, you know, to its full height. And then I think they even had an extension arm. It's like 25, 30 feet up in the air. And you just, you can see the sun slowly creeping up and like hitting my actor's face. And I was like, I need one more take. And one of the dudes is like, I got you. And he and the key grip are on walkie, and he just lifts up the C stand and right. just holds it like, like I said, thirty feet up in the right. air, and they like just like slowly like ease it in and out, just key, like keying it in as it's going. And I like, I'll never forget that moment. I went over and shook his hand the yeah. minute we called cut. It was it's the true best. Hollywood,
1: yeah, the Hollywood. Men. Um, that's awesome. Can I can I tell one last story too? Sure. So my wife, Kara, she used to be on this show on MTV called Disaster Date. And one of the things they did on, so what she would do is she would go on dates with these guys and it was all hidden camera. They had no idea that they were on camera. They were, would go to restaurants and they'd have dinner and she would mm-hmm. be hit there. The guy's friend would set it up. It's like a whole big prank. And it was like, they had all these one-way mirrors in the, in the restaurant so they could film it. Um, and, you know, it was like, uh, there were microphones hidden everywhere. And the guy that she was on the date with is the only person that doesn't know they're on camera. So, of course, they're filming this whole thing and they they try to think ahead and they know exactly where he's going to sit and all that stuff. But they have no control of if he's going to move in the booth or what he's going to do. And they can talk to Mm -hmm. Kara on her like earwig. They can say like, hey, Kara, move to your right or hey, Kara, tell him to sit at the edge of the booth, like come up with a reason to move him or like grab his hand and pull him over here or whatever. Um, But they can't direct him because he does not know he's on a TV show. Uh, But so what do they do in that situation? They obviously can't call cut, but sometimes a part of the shot isn't working or like she hands him something and the way he grabs it, it's hidden from camera or whatever, Uh like important plot points. So basically the director of the show is sitting there while they're filming and he makes a list of all the shots that he's missing. Like we didn't see him you Mm -hmm. know, take the ring from her hand. We didn't see Mm -hmm. him put the hat on. We didn't see him look over here when this guy entered that she said is like her ex-boyfriend or whatever. Um, And he makes this list of shots and the way that, have you ever seen that show? I think I've seen clips you've shown me of Kara doing crazy stuff. Okay. So Kara, so the, the idea is like that these actors are trying to keep, are being these horrible dates and they're trying to see if they can get their date to leave, (laughs) leave the date within 60 Mm -hmm. minutes. and, Uh, with the male actors that were being horrible dates, the girls, the real girls would leave like after 15 minutes every time. Uh, But the female actors that had to try to get the guys to leave, they would never leave. The guys would never, ever, ever end a date early. (laughs) So if they get to 60 minutes, what happens is like the actress like Kara would say, Hey, by the way, I need to tell you something. Um, I'm an actor. Everyone in here is an actor. And you're on disaster date. Uh, and then all the, the friends who was punking them would run out and everyone would run out and the crew would run out. And the producers would run to the actor and they'd be like, Hey, can you sign this real quick release form? Like, okay. And then the director would come and be like, Hey, that was great. You were amazing. We didn't get a shot of you handing this thing. Can you hand a uh, camera guy? Can you come oh, over yeah. here? Can you get this shot? Can you? Sure. And this person is like in total shock. They did not know that they're on a TV show. Sure. Only one time was she ever on a date where the person like started suspecting it because he recognized some of the people from the show. Cause he, Oh watched sure. The show. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, But they literally are picking up these shots that they missed, just the little pieces, with a person that is, as they're shooting, realizing that they were tricked and were on a TV show. And the last few weeks that they've been corresponding with this person to go on a date with have all been fake. Um, Anyway, but I always thought it was, like, so awesome how, like, the way they – I mean, it's also horrible, but – interesting how they make up for the missing pieces of shots, the the glue that they needed to make the scenes work with those in a, real in people. a s-
0: similar sort of thing, actually, one last story and then, <laughs> then we'll go. Yeah. I've done a number of surprise proposals and uh, stop me if I've told this story on the show or to you already. Um, so you always want to get the authentic uh, reactions of the couple and everything, just all the, the pure emotion, right? So most of the time when I'm doing that, you know, we got a finite number of cameras, and so basically, you're pointing. Everything is more or less a close up on the people who are about to get engaged. Um, and then my plan is always okay, like okay, do it, and then you come on out and you you say like, that was so incredible. What if we did it again? And then you have them walk through the the motions, basically for your big whites and it's like something where you're never really worried about getting the authentic performance uh, pieces it's the performance you just want the geography of everything and i bet you and they're I, probably still so emotional at that point that I, they're probably arguing good
1: performances
0: they're even better <laughs> that's what's so incredible because the first time around you're like they're like in shock know, right they're in their shock they're like what's my husband doing in this flash mob or my boyfriend doing in this flash mob wait my parents are here what and then by the time they have proposed then finally the emotion hits and then they relive it five minutes later they they are more present and more potent i half the time i'm like I catch a glimpse of them and I'm like shouting into the walkie like somebody get me a close up of that face because you realize that everyone is crying even more. I, you know,
1: you don't want to do it too much. It's the same
0: experience minus the shock. Minus the confusion. The confusion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's
0: really, it's a really kind of incredible, strange experience. And then like you end up doing it a couple more times, you know, like you're like, well, wow, this is great. We're just getting better. Um, that's right really and smart. they kind of they tip. really like it too, you know what I mean? Like it's such a strange they're just constantly caught up in the emotion of it. It's really yeah. The experience of doing a surprise proposal is already quite emotional, you know, like you've mm-hmm. gotten to know and like these people through interviews and all this stuff and um you know, you meet their parents and like you're keeping this big secret from them to then relive it with them multiple times and also like I have the headset where i can hear all of the people talking so like right. i can hear what they're saying to their father like after they propose and stuff it's very interesting yeah yeah when, yeah. i feel a little weird about it sometimes yeah i can understand when i
1: used to work on fear factor we would like be like okay can you just eat that tarantula one more time and no, one more time we got another tarantula <laughs> yeah. right here eat and that. then
0: they realize oh i'm actually eating a giant bug this is so strange yeah like it tastes even better the fifth time you know what's uh, funny is for a second I was like, how did I not know you worked on Fear Factor?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm fibbing. <laughs> You're a scare tactics guy. I get it. Yeah. Um okay. Well, it's been great chatting. If you have your own thoughts about when to call cut, we would love to hear them. Uh and any interesting stories about calling cut. Because it's, you know, it's one of our jobs is yeah. to call cut. And I've I've been on both sides of calling it too early and not calling it early enough. Um, and people are looking at the director to kind of be the litmus test of, mm-hmm. are we getting the right thing?
0: And can we move on? And so- You also don't want to leave an actor hanging. Sometimes you'll just like let them keep going and let them see what, see what they'll do. And they'll be like, well, can we cut? Like, I'm out of lines. Yeah. You the know? worst is kids, because they'll always like,
1: they'll be done with their- dialogue and then they'll just like look right at the camera like look is right, that at good? Camera. Yeah, like, yeah. right at the camera
0: like right yeah yeah i will move my monitor to be closer to where their eyeline is meant to be like i'll get behind the person they're like, talking to the person they're talking to or, or off to the side a little bit so that they don't ruin it quite so much and that happens for people of all ages frankly yeah
1: all all sorts of dumb kids in this industry um, well, cool. Should we uh do some unpaid endorsements?
0: Unpaid endorsements
1: or what you got? Okay, so you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Part of my procrastination is was over Thanksgiving. It was Black Friday shopping. I've got a really good deal on these Sony noise cancelling headphones that I'd read a lot of great reviews on um but what I've found with, do you have noise-canceling headphones?
0: No, nah, man. I love, uh, what are the ones that we use all them? The, we have the Sony, like the studio. The, the MDR-7506s. Yeah. So these are great studio Dude, love headphones. Them. Studio love them. Studio
1: headphones. I think the audio quality is like really uh, honest or whatever. It's like what the <laughs> audio signal is, is what you hear. There's no bass boost. There's none of that stuff. Um, it's They're full. But, you know, the ones I got are kind of like more like the Bose Beats that, Uh, type Mm -hmm. of headphones uh but they're bluetooth which is awesome because
0: they're liars is that what you're saying
1: they try to make the audio sound they, they sweeten the audio i think a little bit um but i find that if i put them in noise canceling mode and then i just put like spotify on or some music like focus music or whatever uh i'm oh you're in the zone I'm yeah. Even if I'm at home, even if my kids here, my wife's here, my dogs are here, the mailman's here, the gardener's here. Just forget here. about
0: all those losers. Shut them out of your life.
1: Yeah, I didn't think. I mean, I know it kind of sounds obvious, but I didn't think I'd worn noise canceling headphones before. But I don't know. I found that like when I'm writing, if I like just put this music on, put these noise canceling headphones on, even if I'm at the Starbucks or whatever, mm-hmm. I just it's like makes me ten percent are like thirty percent more engaged with what I'm working on than mm-hmm. not than if I'm just yeah. wearing regular headphones. Or often times I don't wear headphones at all, and I'm just like hearing all sorts of interesting conversations yeah, around yeah. me, and stuff. Yeah. But I'm not focusing on anything I should be focusing on. So I don't know. Well, the ones I got are um, the Sony WH one thousand XM threes, and they I don't know. A lot of, a lot of people say they're like the The best noise canceling headphones. They're kind of always up there with the Bose ones that people like too. So check them out. I really, I really like them and they're kind of big and bulky. And I was against carrying headphones with me to a coffee shop, but they're cool.
0: Anyway, that's all I got. Um, Well, I think you maybe convinced me. Maybe I'll check it out. My endorsement is uh, a Netflix series called The Movies That Made Us. I think it's by the same people who did The Toys That Made Us, which is kind of like a VH1. Early aughts style documentary series mm-hmm. um, that's really just kind of like cheesy um, DVD extras on like films like Home Alone and Ghostbusters and Die Hard and I love them. Dirty Dancing. Um, they're 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 really cheesy and really broad, um, but like totally entertaining and mindless enough that you can kind of just put them on and you know, pay 75% attention to them. and, and you
1: Wait, know, so it's behind the, the scenes footage?
0: Or is it? It's um, it's like the, it's a, a a pop documentary about the creation of the film. And so, with you know. Interviews with the actors and stuff. It's interviews with the actors and filmmakers and then archival footage, but with like heavy narration, like a 90s guy narrator that's like, you wouldn't believe the crazy antics right. that they got up to on and off the set of Home Alone.
1: Kevin so
0: McAllister was McAll the talk of the town. Yeah, yeah. It's like quite broad, but I still like it. Hmm. Um, so movies, if you're movies. not spending a bunch of money on uh, Blu-rays and uh, DVDs and you <laughs> miss the, the special features of a, of a film, you know, it's a nice little supplement yeah by the way i watched
1: 1917 on dvd standard def ooh standard def oh, i know hurt my feelings i know and it was gotta like go anamorphic so it was like cropping off the top and bottom i mean yeah probably looked at six pixels but they were glorious uh kaplan killing me yeah anyway if you guys want to see links to what we've talked about you can check out our website just and you can email us, justshootapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail, 1-626-2-SHOOT1. Again, it's shoot one six two six two 2 shoot We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are at Just pod across all social media. I personally am at O. Kaplan on Instagram. And I'm
0: at Mr. Matt Enlow on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the places. This episode was edited by Jonathan Luna. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. Music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar, and our additional ad music was by Musicbed. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Review us on iTunes if you're bored. Thank you. Or not. Even if you're not bored. Just Even do if it. you're not bored. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.